Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In the liturgy for holy baptism found in our book of common prayer, the the celebrant says these words. Now sanctify this water, we pray you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that those who here are cleansed from sin and born again may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. There are three effects of baptism described here. Three ways in which the saving work of Christ is applied to us. The first is to be cleansed from sin. To be cleansed from sin. We are washed in the blood of Christ. We are made clean by him. We are forgiven for our sins and saved from the power of sin that that clings to us so tightly. And baptism is often conceived of in these terms. It, It washes away the stain of original sin. The problem then becomes for us maintenance, right? Um, Having been given a thorough, complete once-over, our job is now to maintain our purity and periodically clean house with confession. Go in for a tune-up. But here is the the problem when we conceive of, of, of baptism purely in terms of 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 just a a, a cleansing. We're never so pure as the moment after we're baptized, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? So um, at that moment, we have a completely clean slate, but it's all downhill from there. Uh, Human nature being what it is, we inevitably spoil our new purity. So you you can probably understand how in the early days of the church, a practice began of delaying baptism. Why be baptized as an infant? What a waste. Why get baptized when you are still young? Lusty and foolish. It's better to wait until you uh, are old, when most of your mistakes are behind you, right? This was the rationality. Um, Better still to wait until your deathbed, right? Because right at that moment, you're never as pure. Um, sure, it's risky to possibly die before you had the chance to be baptized, but the advantage of being baptized on your deathbed is obvious, especially since it could only be done once. Right? 
Now, this was the practice among many Christians in the time of Constantine. The emperor famously uh, stalled on converting to Christianity, stalled on his baptism until his deathbed, despite being the political champion of the faith. And this was no doubt the reason. Um, it wasn't necessarily taught by the church so much as it was the popular practice. But baptism is more than just a cleanse to be uh, strategically planned so as to maximize its benefit. Um, the second effect of baptism is that we are born again. In today's gospel, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Very truly, I tell you, none can see the kingdom of heaven without being born from above. Or, as it's sometimes translated, born again. Why the discrepancy? Well, the, the Greek word can be understood as referring to either a higher place or a higher position, like, like a mountain or, for instance, like heaven, or also as referring to a second time. Um, the, the context, I think, shows it being used in both ways. Um, and when Jesus says this, Nicodemus misunderstands him. Um, he hears born again. And he thinks born a second time in the natural sense. He says, what a crazy idea. Can someone go back into their mother's womb and be born a second time? It doesn't make any sense. He's thinking of uh, another birth, like the first birth. But Jesus clarifies, truly, truly, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, uh, it's not the same kind of birth as the first one. Jesus is, means a birth from above. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. And baptism, being born of water in the spirit, is a spiritual birth. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in um, his book, Mere Christianity, uh, talks about two kinds of life. Two different Greek words that mean life. Um, bios, from which we get uh, the, the name biology, Right? It's the natural, physical, organic life. It's the life that's subject to decay, that, that's always winding down, that gets sick, that, 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 that grows weak. It's temporal. Um, but the other word, and the word that Jesus uses here, is zoe. Um, this is spiritual life that is... Um, from God, from all eternity. It is life itself. It is eternal life or the kind of immortal heavenly life that God himself has. Bios, natural life, has a certain 
shadowy or symbolic relationship to Zoe, but only like a photo resembles the actual place or a statue resembles a man. So in, in addition to our fleshly, our biological life, God wants to pass on to us this eternal life, this life from above. Our reading from Romans says that God is the one who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In other words, just as God made all things in the beginning from nothing, he wants to bring into existence something new in us. He wants to give us new life fresh from heaven, fresh from God, his own divine and eternal life, life from above. So you see that baptism is much more than a cleanse. It's a passing on of this new life, this life from above. Yes, we're forgiven and washed clean, but we're also born again. Born from above, we have God's spirit working in and alongside our natural, fleshly, and biological life. What does this mean for us? Well, through the new life of God implanted in us, we have a new way of knowing, a new way of perceiving the truth. This is the gift of faith through which we believe and know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we receive with joy the fact of our salvation. Jesus says, whoever is not born from above cannot see the kingdom of God. It is only through God's Spirit working in us that we see the kingdom and come under the authority of the King. In his first epistle, St. John has an even more startling implication of this new birth. He says, whoever is born of God does not sin. As the great Oswald Chambers said, it makes no sense to ask the question, should a Christian sin? No, whoever is born of God does not sin. The fact is obvious. A Christian must not sin. It's, it is a completely, uh, it's completely contradictory to the nature of life that they have from God. To sin is to reject that life. It is a repudiation of that life. It is to be ignorant of that life within us. To be born from God means that I have the supernatural power of God to overcome sin. I have a life not subject and enslaved to sin. And so long as I abide in that life, I will not sin. This doesn't mean, of course, that I cannot or will not sin but only that when I do so, it is in the face of, it is in defiance of the new life I have in Christ. It is a contradiction 
to who I have been declared to be in my baptism. So long as I sin, I abide in the flesh, the life that is perishing. Christ would would have me abide in the life of his own immortal and victorious life. So if we understand baptism in this sense as the infusion of of life from above, of, of supernatural power, is there any reason to delay or put it off? No. In fact, the sooner the better. I need this life living in me in order that I might know and serve God, in order that I might be free. Likewise, it is just as silly to ignore or to neglect this gift that's living inside of me. Why should I live as if this world is all that matters? as if I I had no help from God, as if I had nothing to rely on but my own feeble and futile powers. Finally, the third and the final effect of my salvation, the new life declared in baptism, is that when this mortal life winds down and fades away, when it goes back to the elements from which it came, I can be certain of life beyond the reach of death. Those who, by faith, cling to the gift of God and Christ, and whenever they, res- they sin, return with repentance and sorrow once again to the gift that is theirs in Christ, will abide in that risen life of Christ forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.